many places to dream about. We can visit worlds that were, that could be, and those of fantasy and reality. Crank it up, because we're getting ready to rock on this exclusive live broadcast. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I'm your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 161 for the week of March 14th, 2010. Last weekend, a number of special events took place in Walt Disney World. One celebrated the first anniversary of D23, the official community for Disney fans, with a private party in the Magic Kingdom. And the other brought out thousands of princesses and a few princes to take part in the second annual Disney Princess 5K and Half Marathon Weekend. Well, this week, I'm joined on the roundtable by fellow D23 members who attended the event with me to discuss it and other news coming from Disney and D23 during the recent shareholders meeting, and we'll also recap the marathon weekend and talk about some other Walt Disney World news and even a few rumors as well. I'll have some announcements at the end of the show before playing more of your voicemails, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. As if you needed any more reason... To visit Walt Disney World recently, beyond the attractions, the low rates, the small crowds, the great weather, and of course the year-round good food. This past weekend, enthusiasts with sometimes different interests descended on Walt Disney World for two new unique events as D23, the official community for Disney fans, celebrated their one-year anniversary with a party in the park and the second annual Princess Half Marathon Weekend also took place. And so to discuss these events with me, I'm bringing in two people to the roundtable for a couple of reasons. Um, first of all, I picked these people because nobody else would come. And second, because they're both D23 members. They attended and participated in the Princess events and we're at the first D23 Expo this past September, which is going to become a relevant part of our, our discussion. So I want to welcome in first Mary Jo Collins. You may remember her from Storytime with Mojo if you watched some of the D23 Expo live broadcast we did. She's also a contributor to Celebrations Magazine. She did a great article on Space Mountain this past issue. So Mary Jo, it's been so long, but welcome back to the show. Well, thank you, Lou. It's great to be here again. 
And uh, speaking of people from D23 and, and in the box and walking around with the box, Mark Lorenzo, one of the fortunate few to be one of the dads on the 2010 Disney World Moms panel. Mark, congratulations on that and welcome back to the show. Thank you. Hi, y'all. That's my uh, best Southern accent. (laughs) We're going to see how many times I can throw in all y'all just to make Mary Jo crazy on this. uh. So let's go first things first. Let's sort of take the weekend chronologically. And I want to start off with the D23 anniversary event. And before we get to talking about it itself, I want to ask you guys, when you first heard um, or read online about the D23 anniversary events, one in Disneyland, which was which took place five days later, and the one in Walt Disney World, what were your thoughts initially when you saw it? Was it something that you, that you had to go to? Was there, was there something specific about it that drew you to it that said, without a doubt, I, I am getting online at, you know, on February 4th at, at 10 o'clock in the morning to make sure I get on. Mary Jo, what about you first and then Mark? Well, when I first read about it, um, you know, I always look at things and determine, can I synergize this with, you know, some other event that's occurring? And I did happen to notice that Princess Half Marathon was occurring two days later. So there you go. I had to be there. I mean, I was so excited. I'm, I, I would have gone anyway without the Princess Half, but that just made it a done deal. Well, that's what I was going to say. Without the marathon, was it compelling oh. <laughs> enough? <laughs> and if so, what part about it? Was it just, hey, it's a D23 event, I want to go? Or was there something specific that you read that was part of it that said, well, this is what I really want to go and see or do? I guess it was the dessert party. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was all of it. I mean, I was just so excited. Um, after attending the D23 Expo, um, just the excitement that that generated, you know, I couldn't have thought of a better way to celebrate the one-year anniversary than being at Walt Disney World with all my D23 friends. And um, the event itself sounded amazing with the dinner in the um, Diamond Horseshoe and then the dessert party, uh, watching wishes together, and, of course, um, all the different announcements that were to be made and uh, Stephen Clark's presentation all that sounded just fabulous, and I, I definitely would have tried to have made it down there despite the Princess Half Marathon going on at that time. And you mentioned your D23 friends. Do you mean sort of just being part of that greater D23 community or individual people that you knew would probably be going that you wanted to see? It was probably, me. But, it it yeah, was Mark I mean, Lorenzo. Mark Lorenzo really was the compelling <laughs> reason for everybody to go. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit of both. I've really come to know some people because of the membership and uh, through the expo um, and on online communities getting to know people so certainly I knew that some of them would be attending but in just a general sense as well uh, just hanging out with people that are like-minded and um, enjoy Disney as a whole so yeah it's kind of kind of both and Mark, the same question to you, but I also want to ask you, and then Mary Jo, you can chime in as well. When you saw the cost of the event at $140 per person, minding that it, it does include park admission for one day at Walt Disney World and the dinner and the viewing of Philhar Magic, 
the presentation on Fantasyland by the Imagineer, the dessert party, photo ops with characters, and the pin. Did that $140 give you pause and make you say, well, is it really worth it, or was it just a no-brainer because of what you were getting? Well, um, I would have to say the whole weekend, kind of the stars aligned for me because I I actually crammed so much in that weekend, and I didn't really sleep, so I was kind of doing it in the vein of, of Yulu, where we just having fun the whole time. But uh, there was probably like nine or ten of the moms uh, there for that weekend for a reunion, and about six or seven of them actually ran in the Princess, and I ran in the 5K, the Royal Family, Princess and Frog Royal Family 5K. So, I mean, I had a reason there. There's also events, meets, uh, pod, different podcasts, including yours, had a live meet. So, I mean, the whole weekend was full of just incredibly fun things to do. But I also really wanted to go because of my experience at D23 Expo. I mean, that was just simply amazing. And I would encourage everyone, if you can come in two years, uh, definitely summer of 2011, Definitely try to make it out because we saw some things that I've never, ever seen and experienced before in my life. So it was definitely a milestone in my uh, Disney experience. And I know it costs a lot to do this event, but I did figure that there was a ticket involved. And one of the highlights, I'm probably jumping ahead, but one of the highlights was to be able to ride rides in Fantasyland when no one was there. I think there was only like 350 people at this event that I heard. I'm not exactly sure on the number, but um, in Fantasyland, it's pretty much you could walk on any ride. Mary Jo, for you, uh, just very quickly, when you saw the $140 price tag, did it give you pause at all? Did you think it was, uh, you know, a lot? Did you think it was a little? Did you think it was fair? Now, now I'm not. I, I'm going to ask your opinions of it after the event later. But when you first saw the event announced and you saw that price tag on it, well. Um, Knowing that I probably could use the ticket, I thought it was worth it for me. But I do understand some people's hesitation um, that are annual pass holders or that may have had park hoppers or the like uh, may have been a little bit hesitant about it and maybe were a little bit disappointed that it seemed like the price of the ticket was built into that total cost. So, uh, But for me, it, it, it didn't bother me. Right. So, and, that, and that's the point. If if you needed, if you are not an annual pass holder, the value is in that seventy four dollar, seventy five dollar ticket. Clearly, and then the event on top of that. But let's get to the event itself, and then as we look back, we'll see if we we got the value out of it at the end. Uh, and one one other note is that it's very difficult to get into these events. I mean, this one sold out probably in four minutes, and we had to go. I think you said February fourth at like one o'clock. Exactly when they opened it up and it it was sold out very quickly. I tried to get into the a mirth and merriment, the, the Christmas thing, and I could not get in. So they're they're very hard, they're very popular and they're very hard to actually get into. Well, and we're gonna talk about that uh, in a little bit because like the archives tour out in California that I was able to go to, this event, all the events in Walt Disney World seem to sell out it literally it immediately. I mean, within a, a couple of minutes, and that's not an exaggeration of them going on sale. There was also an event in Disneyland a couple of days later that, as of the day of the event, had not sold out, uh, which I thought was interesting. Now, that being said, I want to just put a little asterisk there. 
I don't know the difference in size of each of the events. If the capacity in Disneyland was much greater, which is what some people like told me. Up. Yeah, there was there's was supposedly a lot more people there. Um, but I just thought it was very interesting how quickly the Walt Disney World ones sell out, people getting shut out, and the Disneyland. And we'll talk about that event just a little bit. Um, with the lineup of people they had there, still did not sell out. That being said, uh, the first part of the um, of the event was um, was dinner. Fortunately for a lot of people, there were actually two seatings. It was a four thirty seating, and there was also a six o'clock or six thirty seating for uh, dinner as well. And one of the cool aspects of it for me, Disney geek, nostalgic was that it was in the Diamond Horseshoe Saloon. Um, and along with dinner, they had uh, they had round tables on the first floor. They had tables up on the second floor looking over on the stage. They had uh, Stephen Clark got up and talked, one of the Walt Disney World ambassadors, spoke. They had music. They had a piano player there. They also had a great slideshow from last year's D23. Uh, what did you guys think about the, the menu itself? You can go, Mary, Mary Joe. <laughs> As you guys were I, thought was, I thought it was really really good um i was very impressed it was kind of conducive to the atmosphere it was a little bit of a western southern flair so very nice for the diamond horseshoe uh, my sister who you know is not like a huge fan of the uh, i hate to tell you this the the magic kingdoms um, restaurants she actually said it was probably the best meal that she'd ever eaten in the Magic Kingdom. So I, I thought it was delicious. And they had Lou's cornbread, so um, I think that made him happy. <laughs> <laughs> they had a lot of, I was at the 630 uh, seating and you guys were at the 430, correct? Right. Correct. So um, I wanted to give a shout out to, I, ate, I got to eat uh, with Jeff and Allie from my D23 friends from the expo. So... And that was really, that was really great. And um, it was a lot of barbecue type, short ribbed and beef, and they had chicken and mashed potatoes, of course. It was kind of like a home style meal, so it was really good. I mean, well, and then we also got I got to meet Stephen Clark, talk to him for a little bit, and also Ambassador Clay, and then uh, another one of I can't try to remember his name, but he's also the head. He did the whole expo. Barry. Barry. Yes, yeah, got to talk to him a little bit too. Yeah, it was nice to be able to meet the principals. And it's a very, very small group of people that actually work specifically for D23. Um, Becky from the archives was there. A number of people were there. And it was nice. And it was small and intimate because you did have time to go over and talk to them, thank them. But admittedly, there was this sort of nervous energy in the air because a lot of us, um, especially those of us who spent a lot of time online, were very anxious. We were almost waiting every time somebody took the stage or grabbed the microphone for something. We were waiting for an announcement. We were waiting for a confirmation, a denial, specifically referring to the D23 Expo in September. Now, it's it's already March 5th. There has been no news or anything about the Expo. Granted, last year they didn't even, didn't even announce D23, the entity, until the middle of March, but we've been waiting and we're waiting to see, are they going to say when the expo is going to be? We, we, they told us last year that they had reserved the Anaheim Convention Center for four years. But a couple of days earlier, the L.A. Times um, posts on their site that there is going to be no D23 Expo this year. They make it sound very official. 
uh, you know, as soon as it posts, it makes its way out Twitter, Facebook, all the social networking sites like crazy. I went back and I read it over and over and over again. And really, and I sent, I sent the author an email. I never heard back. I then realized that it wasn't the actual LA Times uh, news section, but it was a blog on the Times. And I then started to question the veracity of that, or was it simply speculation? The interesting thing that I found was that there were a number of principals from D23 at the event that were unaware that that article even existed and denied any knowledge of it and actually were looking on their Blackberries and reading it right there because they had never seen it before. While they obviously weren't going to tell us anything then, they definitely hinted to just stay tuned. And we'll talk about some of the announcements that, that just came out in the last couple of days. But did you guys get that sense too that, that everybody, we were all sort of waiting for something, especially when at one point Stephen Clark says, okay, no more pictures, no more cameras, no more video, no more anything. Here and we were okay. This is it. This is the big announcement. We're going to find out about D23. We're all ready to start tweeting it out. It obviously didn't come, but did you get that sense as well? And did you go into the event waiting to hear something? I definitely went into the event thinking that, wow, there's going to be something really huge um, introduced here because, you know, I just can imagine that Disney would allow, wouldn't actually tell their own fans that there weren't there wasn't going to be an expo this year and when you spoke directly to them about the article and they denied any knowledge of it i thought wow maybe there will be an expo this year and i was i was really you know worried and um you know a lot of people online just were like really livid over the situation that how could they let our fans down like that um and i was really disappointed too honestly so I just for my own sake I was really hoping that they would come out and say that they didn't have anything to do with that article and there definitely was going to be an expo that this year but unfortunately that's not they didn't announce anything but you know we'll talk about what the alternative is this year right and let me just go on record by saying and I tweeted this out when I had initially read the article I was very disappointed one I had heard and assuming that it was true that there was going to be no D23 Expo and I thought it was a, a big mistake not capitalizing on the momentum that they gained even over the four days in September last year but I was also encouraged by the sort of wink and a nudge that I was getting from the D23 people at the Diamond Horseshoe saying just be patient just be patient there there is something to come and we think you're going to like it and that's what I needed to wait to hear was something official. Uh, I had to take more from, um, I wanted to hear it from Disney as opposed to just the LA Times blog. Mark, did you get the same thing? Were you were you there waiting to hear something? I did think that they were going to tell us something, but I know that, you know, it's a big company and a lot of times when they're planning stuff like this, they've got to, you know, it takes a lot to plan something even new. And I was hope, kind of hoping, I kind of blocked a thing in my schedule, like if it was going to happen so I could go. Um, but then I was kind of hoping they didn't put it in the wine and dine weekend and, you know, the last weekend of September to October, you know, cause then I would have a conflict and I would be wondering which one I choose to go to. It's like choosing your favorite child, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that you equate a trip to Disneyland or Disney world as choosing your favorite child. <laughs> All special. Yeah. Get your son on the phone. Let me have a talk with him. <laughs> <He's sleeping. laughs> 
yeah, and, and we'll um, we'll talk more in a little bit when we talk about what is coming um, versus what we are anticipating or expecting. Uh, after dinner, um, we had some free time in the park. For, for us, it was about from 5.30 to, to quarter after 8 when we all met in front of the Hall of Presidents for what was really going to be, for me, the highlight. And it, believe it or not, Mary Jo, it wasn't the dessert party, but it was the presentation by an Imagineer uh, in the Mickey's Magic Theater where they were going to talk about Fantasyland. And this is where I said, okay, guys, this is where the $140, this is my big payoff. Give me something a little bit more than what we got at D23. Give me something a little more than what I've seen online. Uh, there was an Imagineer who got up and spoke. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't take any pictures or video. Uh, there was nothing really too new, admittedly. We saw a lot of the same slides. What we did see, though, we saw an updated map. We did see a few new artist renderings and concept drawings of places like Maurice's Cottage, uh, the BR Guest Restaurant, the Little Mermaid. It, it looks awesome. Uh, so we learned some more about the meet and greets, that they're not going to be sort of the traditional walk up, get your picture taken, walk out. Finding out the kids can actually spend up to 10 minutes with each uh, with, with each princess in each of the different venues, much more interactive and immersive type of experience. The thing that I did like, and granted, they could only answer only so much, is that they did have a Q&A session afterwards. And um, and I had my hand raised from the very beginning, of course, being short and in the front row, they never saw me. But um, people did ask a lot of questions that I think we all had. We talked about things like Mickey and Minnie. Uh, will their houses go away? And, and while they initially said, Yes, and they will go away. There will be a new place to to meet Mickey in the Magic Kingdom. Looks like it's going to be over in the Expo Hall on Main Street, USA. He did clarify it later on, and I specifically tweeted this out, and he said, let me be clear. He said, Mickey and Minnie's houses, quote, will not be eliminated. Now, if you look at the Fantasyland artwork, it doesn't look like there's a place for it there. Granted, you know, everything in, is sort of written in jello because it can change, and the location of Dumbo has changed at least two or three times. Makes me wonder will there be some sort of new permanent house uh, for Mickey Minnie, either in the Magic Kingdom or possibly somewhere else? Um, the other thing that somebody asked, which, and this sort of was one of the questions I had um, Disney had filed a patent. I, I made a reference to a, uh, on the show notes, and I'll link to it this week about a, um, a water, interactive water patent. And somebody asked if there'd be a possible water component to the new Dumbo. And he said, you know, he kind of gave that look like, well, possibly. Um, was there anything that you guys got from there, Mary Jo and then Mark, from the presentation or from the Q&A that was new to you, that was really exciting to you, that was the, you know, an oh, wow moment for you? Um, well, honestly, I had seen almost every bit of it online. I wasn't really aware of how the queues were going to work, and he discussed how many guests would be allowed into each area, into each princess area at a time. Those kind of things were more or less some of the things that I wasn't aware of, and he made that a little bit more clear. Um, I, I thought it was interesting mostly when they asked about it being, you know, mainly a princess. Um, is this just going to be appealing to girls? 
and he said that he really felt like there would be a balance and I you know I have a, a daughter and a son so I, I'm not so sure <laughs> that I see a balance there but he gave some examples for instance in the Cinderella's um, um, area she once she transforms her dress will transform her makeup will transform and she uh, will then engage with the guest and then there will be opportunities they're proposing for um, some of the guests to dance with her and possibly some of the little boys become knights in training so I thought that was really cool and that was one thing that I had not read about I just I guess I'm really concerned about you know there being a balance there Mark, what about you? Are you concerned about that balance, number one? And number two, is there something new or you know a wow moment for you that you, that you took away from the presentation? Well, I definitely have a son, so, you know, I, I definitely would like, you know, some things that options for him in Fantasyland. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of earth-shattering news. I mean, we heard a lot of it at D23 Expo, and we were kind of shocked at that point because it was all totally brand new. One thing he did keep saying over and over again, was how it was going to be like a forest. There's going to be lots of trees, and it's going to be like a wooded glen. You know, traditionally, like in Fantasyland today, it's more like pavement. There's a few trees, but what he described was like a huge forest. Yeah, and from the pictures, it looks like that. It looks like you're going to be walking into a wooded glen, you know, with a lot of trees. So it almost won't look like a theme park. Yeah, yeah it, he even he talked about some of the topography changes with um, featuring some rolling hills and really um, kind of emphasizing some of the rock work and it being very fitting to each of their areas or um, you know their storylines. I thought it was really intriguing. It sounds very beautiful. Yeah, and looking at the uh, scale model, which was blown up in certain sections. It definitely looks as though, especially sort of on the Tomorrowland side, as though Fantasyland is going to be very much encapsulated into its own little area, and it, as opposed to now where you can sort of see past the Mad Tea Party and get and get views of Tomorrowland, it is going to be very, very immersive in that. Um, interesting point about the boys and how they're going to react. Mark, I'm curious to see what your son is going to think, how much time he is going to want to spend in there beyond maybe the Little Mermaid uh, attraction. I'll just be over at the Be Our Guest restaurant, which looks beautiful, by the way. Um, Rest of the night, we got to watch Mickey's Magic as long as we were there. Why not? Outside, they had uh, wonderful dessert stations set up throughout Fantasyland, and they had Fantasyland alone closed off just for our use. Um, They had pretty much all the attractions open at that time, I took a picture of something I thought I would never see, which was Peter Plan's flight with absolutely no cue. People were riding over and over again. Um, and the- I had an inspirational moment. I got to ride Dumbo for the first time, and I got to sit next to Lou. So I was really excited about that. That's been kind of on my bucket list. I mean, people said, "How? why, why haven't you ridden Dumbo by, by now? But I just never had because the line had been so long. And the funny story was that Lou and I, we got in there, and I'm not a small guy. I mean, and um, the dump <laughs> wouldn't go up. Uh, we had so we were laughing about that. Finally, we did get it to go up in the air, but by then the ride was done, and I didn't think to just ask to stay on it because <laughs> there was no people in line. 
yeah, there may have been a weight limit that we exceeded, but let's let's just move on <laughs> past there. Um, interesting though, the you know for those that say there there's no uh, alcohol ever served in the Magic Kingdom, we actually had champagne with dinner, and there was alcohol in some of the dessert things. So of course, geeks like me and some of the other guys are going, look, there's alcohol in the Magic Kingdom, and so that was like <laughs> that was their big um, geek moment. But in addition to the attractions and the desserts and the much needed coffee, because it was freezing that night. There, of course, was D23 merchandise that was being sold inside Pinocchio Village House. And you can buy back issues of D23 magazine. There was the uh, Disney Undiscovered 23-month calendar. There were posters and programs, the archives, soft cover book, uh, gift cards, things like that. One of the things that was really interesting was that they sold the complete patch set that people were getting with their D23s, including... The patch that had the defect of, of the monorail salt, uh, misspelled, which went, I think, I think um, somebody said they went for about $30 for the, yeah, the patch. 30. And that went in like five seconds. Uh, they sold out of that, I think, very, very quickly there. Um, did you guys buy any of the merchandise? Was any of the merchandise of any of interest to you guys at all? I didn't even make it into the store. I was too busy riding rides with you and <laughs> Joe. <laughs> I, I didn't purchase anything. I just. Uh, of course, would have loved it all, but I was too busy, like Mark said. Don't forget <laughs> we about the in there, but the lines looked pretty long, and it wasn't my focus. So, nope. um, I would have liked to have had the patches, but you know, since they sold out, I guess. It was so, Terry Joe, you got to tell the story about the characters. <laughs> what do you the wicked stepsisters, um, you got. <laughs> there were one of the things that they stated. Um, in the details on this event was that there would be a lot of neat, rare characters, and they didn't disappoint. I think a lot of people were excited with um, the characters that were there. One, um, the number one, was the band leader, Mickey, which um, I don't know that I've ever seen him in the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World. Um, There was also Horace Horsecaller and Clarabelle the Cow, and Jiminy Cricket with um, Pinocchio. And then Lou's absolute favorite would be Anastasia, Drizella, and Lady Tremaine, which um, I'll let him tell you what he did to one of them. It's not its not what I did. It's what you told me to do. I, I was there really for your, for your personal entertainment, and you said to go over and propose to one of the Wicked Stepsisters, and I did, and, uh, and they were awesome. They really, yeah, they, they were awesome. Excellent. I mean, that that was really a lot of fun to, to to interact with them like that, and they spent so much time with us too. So I'm watching. I'm watching for. I'm right next to this, the the stepmother, and um, all of a sudden I see Lulu go on down on one knee, and then I see her, the princess faint, or not the <laughs> stepsister faint on the ground, fully on the ground, and, and she they rolled faint. around too. Yeah. And it was just like, what just happened? Yeah, and there's 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 embarrassing photos that I'm sure Mary Jo has posted on Facebook. We'll link to them uh, <laughs> in, in the show notes. So yeah, but. and then probably the the highlight for most people with the characters that night was Belle with Gaston, and he apparently um, I never made it up to actually speak to him, but I took lots of pictures. Um, he was an excellent Gaston. He was um, you know screaming out. I'm glad you met me, and I looked good in that photo. So, you know, he was really uh, doing it well. 
Yeah, and I think people, I think the people who were there seemed to enjoy uh, everything that was going on, um, whether it was the desserts, like you said, Mark for you, the rides for you, Mary Jo, the characters. For some people, it was the merchandise. So there was a little bit of something for everybody there. For me, it was the Imagineer presentation to be able to, to hear and, and some Q&A with the Imagineer. Um, we talked before about the announcements or lack thereof at the event. And, and as the night went on, as we started talking, we were rationalizing maybe why some of the things hadn't been announced that night. Part of the reason was possibly because there was going to be the Disneyland D23 anniversary party that was going to be a few days later. Coincidentally, uh, I believe the same day as the shareholders meeting. We said, well, that's where it's going to be. That's where the big announcements are going to come. And as we expected, that's where they did come. Uh, there, there were some announcements made there. But I want to just quickly talk about the Disneyland version of the anniversary party, just to compare and contrast the two. And I know we're running long, but one, Disneyland, which did not sell out, and again, they might have had five times as many people there, They their, their event, uh, I believe, which was $65, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, had Imagineers Bob Gurr and Tony Baxter, Kevin Corcoran, the, the uh, actor from Old Yeller and Swiss Family Robinson, Bill Farmer, the voice of Goofy, Margaret Carey, uh, who's been on the show before. She was the model for Tinkerbell. Dave Smith, uh, chief archivist from the Walt Disney Archives. Dan Roebuck, who, if you're a Lost fan, he plays Dr. Arts on, uh, on Lost. Um, David Stollery, from, he's Marty from Spin and Marty. Um, and Danny Newell, who's a senior show director for Disneyland. So they had a, they had a pretty big lineup, geek-wise, of Imagineers and actors and celebrities. They also had some unique items, like the electric runaround, which was the um, the car that Walt Disney used to use to transport guests around Disneyland, Cinderella's royal coach, things like that. Also, obviously, the presentations and discussions and things like that as well. Interesting, if they would have had that kind of lineup out in Walt Disney World. Um, obviously, they didn't need those names to, to have the event sell out in four minutes, but it was also interesting that their event was $65 versus uh, $140. And to that end, I want to ask you, at the end of the day, or at the end of the night, Mary Jo and, and Mark, you get your pin, you get your big you know, D23 one-year anniversary pin. Was it worth the money? And in retrospect, would you do it over again? Have more. I mean, we had one Imagineer and the head of D23 and his staff. Um, it would have been really nice if we could have um, had some of those celebrities and legends out at ours. So, but yes, I would still do it again because, I mean, I, I love D23 and... Um, Mark, what about you? Do, you? do you feel the same way? Not, not really. I mean, I, I wasn't really expecting anything earth shattering because I, I, like I said, I think they did most of the earth shattering stuff at the expo. Um, I more viewed it as a time to be with friends, a time to actually celebrate the one year anniversary. And if anything else, you know, came on top of that, it's all like icing on the cake to me, you know, because I, I really feel that it was just a kind of a celebration. So, I mean, it, if we heard anything, you know, new or whatever, that would be a bonus. Okay. Well, as I started to say, um, we didn't get any announcements that night. Five days later, um, on the morning of March 10th, 
Bob Iger during the shareholders meeting does make some of those announcements, um, obviously live to the shareholders that were there. They also broadcast a webcast, uh, an audio only webcast uh, during that time. And it was, I don't want to even say confirmed because it didn't come from Disney, but it was announced that there would be no D23 Expo in 2010. Uh, although they did announce the, na- the dates for 2011, and it's August 19th uh, through the 21st, 2011, again, uh, over in the convention center um, near in, in Anaheim. Uh, tickets are going to go on sale a year early. They're going to go on sale August 19th, 2010, which I thought was very interesting. Um, first things first. Obviously, I think we all agree we're somewhat disappointed that there's no D23 uh, Expo this year. But they also make another announcement and say that while there won't be that event, the Disney D23 is going to celebrate Disneyland's 55th anniversary with what they call Destination D on September 24th and 25th, 2010. That, according to Disney, is going to be two days of presentations, panels, screenings, guest speakers, going to let fans meet and talk with key figure in Disneyland's history, explore other aspects of Disney's creative legacy. Um, it's going to alternate annually with the D23 Expo. And as time went on, more details came out. Dave Smith is going to look back at highlights from Disneyland's history in, in, a, in a, a presentation called Disneyland, The Way We Were. There's going to be an exploration of never-built projects and attractions. Very, very cool for Disneyland called Disney Undiscovered. Uh, The Archives is going to have another, looks like, exhibit there called 23 on 55. And very interesting thing called Weird Disney, which is a showcase (laughs) for some of the quirky, little-known facts, places, people, and ideas that even the most avid fan might not know. So, bottom line, it seems like a sort of of best-of, condensed version of Disney's D23 minus some of the things like the Disney Channel stars and some of the things like that. Uh, for guys like me, although I'm a Walt Disney World fan, you know, the, the the Dave Smith thing and the archives and the weird Disney and the Never Build Projects, that's right up my alley. And as soon as I saw that, I said, well, I, I've got to go. I mean, this is something that's one of the things that appealed to me most about D23. Mark, how did you feel first about the no D23 Expo and then sort of the alternating Destination D and, and D23? So, the, you know, I kind of figured that they wouldn't, you know, until they wouldn't have an Expo this year, but I was waiting for them to confirm it, you know, before I, you know, strayed from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Um, I was kind of, like I said earlier, I was kind of worried that it would run into a trip that I had planned for the wine and dine um, if it were the same date. So I was kind of relieved in that. And I don't, I really think, seriously think they would have a hard time topping the first expo. You know, maybe in two years they'll have more, you know, things to announce and more things to wow people with, you know, because they really surprised us with a lot of stuff in the first one. And, you know, I think there's some time has to pass before they're going to have enough stuff to really wow. And I wow people again. And I didn't really hear about the Destination Disney. I was kind of listening online. Um, to the shareholders one, and I must have missed that because they said it really quickly, so I found out a day or two later about it, but I probably won't be able to send that. It sounds interesting, though. Well, real quick before you go, Mary Jo, was it the fact that, was it the wow factor of, of D23 that appealed to you the most? Was it the you know revelation about Star Tours 2.0 and Fantasyland 
that for you is the most important factor and without that a D23 in 2010 if they couldn't you know introduce something new would be a disappointment for you or was it everything else that it was made everything it? else yeah I mean definitely I, I, I disagree with Mark on this just because the announcements weren't really what excited me about the expo I mean they were great and all but that's the kind of thing that I didn't even really feel like that I necessarily needed to be there in person for I mean I really, really enjoyed all the um, special events, all the special presentations, the exhibits, the celebrity appearances, meeting um, Imagineers and the legends, all those things that could be done every single year. There, you know, doesn't have to be a big buildup of information or um, things that have to be um, sent out, um, you know, revealed for there to be a D23 Expo every year. So that was one reason why I just had high hopes that possibly there would be. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm excited about the Dis Destination D. I don't think that I'll be able to go this year. But I'm kind of thinking, I don't know what you all think about this, but do you think that possibly this event could be going to different cities in the future? Just because of the name Destination D? My feeling, Mary Jo, and that's a very interesting question, um, and it, it touches on a point that I wanted to make about D23. And look, I will tell you again, um, I was disappointed that there was no D23 Expo. I, it, it truly was one of the highlights of anything that I've ever done Disney-related. Um, ironically enough, the D23 Archives Tour was probably the highlight. Um, again, a D23 event. And... That's what I, I was hoping was going to happen, was that they were going to capture what they, that lightning in a bottle that they were able to sort of make happen on day two and three when they really started to ramp things up and people were getting excited about it. The weekend had come and there was very much a buzz, especially online for the people that weren't there that were like, wow, I, I, you know, we, I didn't know what to expect this first year. Now I've got to go back next year. We know people that watched us broadcast on Thursday and were there on Friday. They flew out on Friday because they saw what was going on. So I was very disappointed that they weren't going to be able to sort of recapture that. And I don't think it's a matter of, of besting what they did last year. And I, I agree with you on this, Mary Jo. Uh, it was that sense of community and the sense of what the event as a whole was. We all liked and took different things from it, whether for me it was having the table there and meeting people or the archives exhibit or seeing Richard Sherman for other people, their kids probably freaked out when Selena Gomez and Miley Cyrus was there. Mary Jo, you lost your mind when Johnny Depp and John Lasseter were there. And I think they could have done that again. To your point, what I do hope happens is that they do continue to instill this sense of community. I'd love to see more events in the parks. Um, I'd love to see some free events. Now, granted, there are going to be things like the sip and stroll during food and wine, the magic and merriment uh, at Walt Disney World. They, they do have the archives tours. Uh, they have the, the film festival, the 50 and Fabulous Film Festival at the studios in Burbank. I'd love to see a lot more of that, but make it accessible, like you said, to people that maybe can't afford to go out to the parks or go out to California every year. You've got the Disney stores. Leverage that somehow. Even if you do, you know, a, a, a free meetup of D23 members, you open, you keep the store open an hour late and have 
you know, a dessert party, whatever it is, instill that sense of community. And that's what this is supposed to be, a community for Disney fans. Let the fans get together as a community. You saw how much fun we had meeting people at the anniversary party. And the fun that we had was not necessarily the presentations or the rides, but it was the people that we met and, and doing those things together as part of this community. And, and I do agree with you. I hope that they expand these offerings more and I hope they expand them to the point that it's not going to cost somebody $140 per person because it is somewhat cost prohibitive no matter how good the event might be for a family of four to do that on top of their their Walt Disney World trip and the food and everything else like that so uh, I, I'm holding out hope that we'll see some of those things and look it's a learning process for the, these guys and they admit it and it's a very, very, very small staff that has to coordinate and put all these things together. But like I said, with my somewhat disappointment comes my enthusiasm for Destination D, which I am going to attend. Uh, I, I, as soon as I saw it, I knew I was going to somehow find my make my way out there, um, as well as some of the other events that, that are going on. So um, I, I want to move forward a, a little bit because there were some other announcements and we're going to kind of get into a little bit of news in, in sort of dis- interspersed with what we're talking about today because they also announced something else which may or may not you guys have interest in, which is a premier annual passport. And believe it or not, people have been asking for this for a long, long time because if you own a Walt Disney World premium annual pass and you're like, you know, I go out to Disneyland a lot, I've got a Disneyland annual pass. Here you go. This is your best of both coasts because for $700, you get an unlimited admission to all theme parks in California and in uh, Florida. Unlimited admission to Disney Quest, all the water parks, wide world of sports, um, the Oaktail golf course, you get greens fees, you get the Mickey Monitor, backstage pass, all those different things like that. If you are a pass holder for Disneyland and Walt Disney World, you can actually um, upgrade to the to the Premier Pass automatically. Um, and I know some people said, wow, $700, that really sounds like a lot. But some people sort of run the numbers, and it really isn't if you start to compare. I mean, is this something that would appeal to you guys, or are you guys even annual pass holders in Walt Disney World? It would all depend on the year and what all I had planned Um you know, if I planned on heading out to both in one year, then certainly I would have to just look at the numbers and determine how many days and that type of thing. Mark, are you an annual pass holder? Yeah, I just became one last August. So, because my trip to Disney have been increasing. So, um, I definitely would consider it, especially I want to go to the 2011 Expo. So, that would be perfect for it because then I would have tickets for both parks. Yeah, I think, um, and again, there have been a lot of people who have uh, very much been looking forward to um, something like this coming out. Because if you think about it, a premium annual pass to Walt Disney World is $619. So for $81 more, which is just a little bit more than what you'd spend for a day in uh, in Disneyland, you know, a one-day park hopper in Disneyland, I think, is... Actually, it's probably closer to 100 like probably around $96, $97. So for $81 more, you now get a premium annual pass to Disneyland. So if you're, if you're an annual pass holder in Walt Disney World, you think you're going to make a trip out to, Walt, to Disneyland sometime this year. It, it makes financial sense, certainly, to do that. Yeah, definitely. And I'll put links uh, in the show notes to 
the D23 events and information about the premier annual passport, because I know people have a lot of questions about that that we just can't uh, address um, right here. Something else real quick. I'm going to before we get to the princess events. And again, I know we're running long. Shocker of all shockers. Um, <laughs> there was something else um, that took place earlier this week that I want to just mention here um, and get your opinion on the give a day, get a Disney day program. As long as we're talking about tickets, it's what made me think about this, which is what the program was that they launched on January 1st, where they were inspiring people to uh, do volunteer service in their communities. And if you did, and if you did it through Disney, through one of the hands-on networks, volunteer networks, uh, you would get a free pass to uh, one of the Disney parks. And they had an event, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, whatever it was, that they celebrate. They had a big media event um, in Walt Disney World talking about how they had 600,000 people already signed up. And some of us looked at each other and said, wow, that happened really fast. It's only February. It's only been eight weeks. Wonder what they're going to do when they reach a million because they said they were going to give away one million people to to volunteer. Well, they hit that number this past week. Um, and they actually, the, the promotion is over. So there are no more tickets. Now, if you've already signed up and if you've already volunteered, certainly you get your voucher for your ticket. But interesting that this the promotional aspect of it, and of course, they're still inspiring people to go and volunteer, ends now, and there's sort of no promotion going on for the first time in, in a long while throughout the year. Um, and maybe they just didn't expect the sort of response that they got. Um, did you guys do any sort of volunteering at all or know anybody that did? And, and what are your thoughts about sort of the promotion ending right here? Mary well, I've, um, I've already registered, but I haven't actually, um, my volunteer um, time is in April. So uh, according to what I've read and what you just said, um, as soon as I finish my volunteer work, I will still be able to get the ticket. So that's good for all those that had the chance to register. Um, the one question that we all had was, you know, there were a lot of people that possibly might not show up to do their volunteer work and you know there wouldn't be one million tickets given out so a lot of people had questions about that um a lot of people were disappointed in the types of volunteer work that was available in their area i kind of lucked out and i looked uh, several weeks ago and noticed that there were some new opportunities that i was able to um, check uh, cash in on so um, there weren't a lot of opportunities that involved little children. So, um, thank goodness I was able to get one. Now, Mark, I know as a, as a mom's panel member, we talked about this at the D23 event. Actually, you said that you get a lot, you got a lot of questions about the give a day promotion. Um, you, I know actually volunteered yourself again. I, I, I think maybe Disney almost wasn't expecting such a response so quickly. I don't know. I think that they might have been because, I mean, it, it's a great program. My son and I did it. Um, and we helped out uh, handing out food for Angel Food Ministries, and it was really fun. And I think it's inspiring families to start giving whether they get a ticket or not. And I think the whole program was basically a million volunteer opportunities to either get a ticket or they have special fast pass uh, cards that let you in on some fast pass rides in each park. And they also hand out honorary like mouse ears with uh, six pins on it. And I actually, when I was there, 
that Friday for the D23 event, um, I picked up my uh, honorary mouse hat with the, with the ears or with the pins, and it's pretty nice. Yeah, and Mary Jo, um, you make an interesting point. I, I really believe that uh, the ticket was almost ancillary for a lot of people. I think this is it was just a promotion that would make people aware and gave parents an opportunity. You guys are, are, are parents as well yeah. to teach your kids a, a valuable lesson and to make them go and do it. And the ticket wasn't necessarily the motivating factor. We'll see if that plays out. How many people? Uh, still continue to register for it and um, and it, knowing that they're not going to get their ticket. That being said, I want to move on um, because although the D23 anniversary event that night went late, um, many of you, Mark Lorenzo, needed your beauty sleep that night because the next day was the first event for the second annual Disney Princess Half Marathon and it kicked off on Saturday, not with the half, but with a 5K, and I want you to talk about the the Princess and the Frog Royal Family 5K. But before we do, we talked in the past, and Mary Jo, you're a goofy runner, and I mean that you know in, as the most <laughs> endearing term. You you ran the half and the full this past year. We've talked about the enormous growth of the marathon, going from an endurance race for hardcore runners to a family weekend where 50, 60, 70, 80,000 people are coming down to Walt Disney World and participating as a family or just coming down to cheer on runners. This year, the same holds true, and I was very surprised to see how big the half marathon was because this year, almost twice as many runners came out to do uh, the half marathon. There were more than 18,000 total, 13,000 for the half marathon and that was huge especially something that is and mark will you know we'll get to you but termed a a princess half marathon but again they had eleven thousand or so year a year ago the expo was much much uh larger this year the fit for princess expo and mark you ran in the first princess and the frog royal family 5k on saturday i know this was your first event you trained like rocky balboa Tell us briefly uh, about the event and your experience. Okay, sure. Um, I have one comment about the beauty sleep. I must not have been that beautiful because I only got about three hours sleep that night. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> it was the first uh, race that I've ever uh, raced, and it was really exciting. Disney knows how to do uh, racing events. I mean, it was from showing up there, I was at one of the host resorts for the race, so we had busing. Um, it was Port Orleans French Quarter. So you just hopped on a bus and I think it was around, I got there around 5.15 or so. Um, and then, you know, there's about half an hour or more. I think the race started at, at seven, or maybe it was a little bit later. But I mean, they had, you know, places to go to the bathroom. They had, you know, drink water before the race. They were playing music and you could get your picture taken with Princess Tiana and um, what's the alligator's name? I forgot his uh, name. It's Lewis. Thank you. Lewis. <laughs> yes. I mean, so, and they had a DJ and they were playing songs. It was a really cool event. I ran into Deb, who was running Deb from all years, Willis, and um, Mike Scopo was there too as well. So I hung out with them while we were waiting for the race. And, you know, they lined you up in corrals. And it was a lot of people. There was a couple thousand or more. And, you, and, they, and where, where was the course? Where did the course take you through? 
So the course started in Epcot parking lot and you ran through the parking lot. It was about over, a little over three miles. That's what 5K is. And um, you entered the World Showcase in Epcot right around where Mexico is on the side of the building there. You ran around the whole World Showcase to the International Gateway. You kind of ran around a little jog around that, then went around Spaceship Earth into Future World, around Spaceship Earth and the back out to the parking lot. And that's where it ended. And there was, you know, fans cheering and it's the same end part of the course for the, I think, for the marathon. Right. And, and I <clears throat> wanted to sort of talk about the course because, again, every time we talk about these events and these 5Ks, look, if you go to Epcot and, and just to walk around as a guest, you're walking that course. So you don't need to train hardcore like Mark Lorenzo. Anybody can do it. And that's why. It's a family 5K because your kids can participate. And it's something that I know a lot of us talked about. You know, next year, let's do this. Let's do it as a family. Let's bring the kids and you can walk it. I mean, it is yep. not certainly a race that, that I think that you were trying to win. Um, but it's just something that is a lot of fun. And they do it up as much as they do the half marathon. And, and sort of the half marathon and the full marathon in January is the signature event but this one really, like I said, has grown in popularity so much as all of the events are. And um, to help us talk about it, I, I wanted not just Mary Jo because you are a, a runner. You've done the Goofy. You've, you know, you've done this a couple of times. But I wanted to bring somebody else in to the roundtable. I wanted to bring in another special guest to give us her insight on the, um, the Disney Princess Half Marathon. And back by popular demand, um, and that demand being her own, I'd like to welcome in my lovely and also very proud of wife, Deanna, a fellow Princess Half Marathon runner to you, Mary Jo. Yay. Yay. Hi. Yeah. So I wanted you guys to talk about it and, and you guys ran together because, um, I, you know, I had to take care of the kids or, of course, I would have done uh, <clears throat> I would have done the event again. But I wanted you guys to talk a little bit about the event, especially having done the half in the past. Deanna, how did this one for you compare? Because I know we, we talked about even going to the expo, we expected to be so small. It was much bigger than you expected and then talked about the race itself. Well, um, it was just an incredible experience from beginning to end. And I have to thank Mary Jo because I didn't realize, number one, uh, she's a wonderful, wonderful person to run with, and I will definitely run with her again. And I actually got my personal best time, and we stopped, I think, for almost every single character along the way. How was the course and what they... Look, we, we've talked in the past about how well they do that course, and the inspiration is more important than the perspiration because... They get you moving along so well with the entertainment and with the characters. Mary Jo, how did this compare versus the half marathon this past year? <laughs> well, let's just say the weather was spectacular compared to January. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was like um, just you couldn't even compare the weather. So that in itself just made, made it so much better. Um, it, it's it's a spectacular race. Um there's lots of women that come out and a few men that are dressed as princesses, which makes it a lot of fun. Um, I'll have to give a little shout out here to um, Goofy, Terry, and um, Brad. 
they both dressed up as princesses and we just had a ball and um, taking pictures with them and they raised a lot of money for um, breast can- breast cancer um, uh, Deb's foundation so um that was awesome. The course is actually the same course as the half marathon in January. You start off in the Epcot parking lot and you head up to the Magic Kingdom and then back to Epcot. So you make a loop there. Um, the entertainment for this race, I have to give them huge kudos. I mean, this was one of the best ever. I And it wasn't just princesses. I mean, I was a little bit leery that just there would be princesses out in the course. Oh, it was a lot more than that. Um, Tell them about the pirate ship, Deanna. We happened (laughs) to just come upon the pirate ship, and we started to hear the music from the the movie. And Mary Jo was having a little bit of a problem with her glasses, so she happened to take them off while we were running, and she was trying to get them defogged really quickly. So we're running, we're, we're running on the course, and we hear this music, and she's like, wow, you know, I have this on my iPod. And so we both start laughing, and then we look over to the left, and she's like, wow, and I see a ship. Oh, I get it. I get it. There's a ship. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Her and I practically tripped over our own two feet because we were laughing so hard, and then we had to stop and take pictures in front of the ship. So it was really funny. And I think yeah. that I think that's uh, there's a couple of points. Number one, first, I'm happy that you mentioned that there were guys racing, and just because it's called a princess half marathon, a, a fair number of guys actually run in this race. And much like the half marathon and even the full marathon, it becomes a social experience. Uh, you guys weren't trying to win. It wasn't about you know your fastest time. Sure, you you try and beat your, your personal best with every race that you do. I'm sure. But you were able to stop and take pictures and laugh and joke along the way. And that's what these events really are becoming and really all about. And I think the Princess Half Marathon, much like the Wine and Dine Half Marathon that we're going to talk about as we get closer coming this October, is really shaping up to be. And these are now things that people are putting on the schedules, not because it's about I want to win a race or get, by the way, very, very cool medal that you guys got. A lot of bling for the princesses on the medal. Very, very cool. Very, very cool. Mm-hmm. But they are truly social events. And Mark, you know, your presence at the 5K, you know, goes to prove that as well. And the, t- the good time that the two of you guys had while you were running. Um, and I also, Lou, I also watched um, Sunday morning about the last half an hour or so between, or hour between nine and 10. So I got to see the the finishers, you know, the final finishers. So it was really cool to watch. Like, there was mothers and daughters running together. There was people running for a cause. I mean, it was just amazing. There was a lot of people in costume, full costume running, which was just beyond. I couldn't figure out how they could do that. I mean, some of them were, like, full-length dresses, and they they were running in it, and there was guys dressed up as frogs, and I think there was, like, 400 guys um, in there. There were some guys dressed up as ladies and princesses and it just was a sight to even watch and the same thing too as a spectator and somebody who went just to go and cheer it was a lot of fun too and i wasn't able to make it to the magic kingdom because i had my kids and trying to get them up to be there at five o'clock would have been you know pure torture but we made it to the finish line and we're there for a little while waiting for mary joe and deanna to come by and again there was such an energy and there were so many families there multi-generations cheering on Random strangers who were running by and then, of course, waiting to see their friend, their husband, wife, daughter, mother, whatever it was, 
Uh, it was a lot of fun just being there to cheer. And I know, Deanna, you guys as runners, it has to mean so much more to you as you're approaching the finish line and to see some familiar faces there. All I have to say is that just running down Main Street with all these people just screaming and they start yelling your name because you have your name on your bib. It's just an overwhelming, wonderful feeling, even though you don't know who they are and they just start yelling your name. And Mary Jo and I just started stopping and taking pictures of each other in front of the castle. And people were like, you know, cheering us on and saying, like, keep going and good job. (laughs) And it was just and if anyone out there that is listening ever wants to run a half or a full it's definitely Disney is definitely the race to run because they do it so well. There's so many water stops and there's so many people that are there to help you and medical staff that it's really such a wonderful experience. And uh, I recommend it to anyone who's thinking about running one. And you're running Definitely. through Disney World. I mean, look, I mean, you're, you're yeah. running through Disney World, and there is no other place. Like, and this, I think, is a great event for a number of reasons. Um, first and foremost, we should mention, too, like all of the Endurance Series events, um, there are people that benefit not just to run and cheer. This weekend benefits the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society um, to fight against blood cancers. So many people run individually or as groups, team and training, things like that to raise money for individual charities. But it's a great time of year to run as well. Um, the, this first weekend in March, the weather is beautiful. The parks are empty. The parks are also a little bit more beautiful than usual because Flower and Garden Festival is going on as well. And when you're running through Epcot, I mean, I know you're just trying to get to the finish line and, and that's all you see, but it's beautiful to run through the park um, during this time as well. And with that, you know, I... I I want to mention, and I, and I will talk about Flower and Garden and some of the things that are going on um, in a separate segment because there are so many things that, so many reasons to come down specifically for Flower and Garden as well. Although it felt like you were in New Jersey this year with the cold weather, so I don't know. Uh... <laughs> Not quite as bad as the half marathon in January. It wasn't That's sleeting true. That's and true, snowing. Mary jo, right? We weren't getting pelted <laughs> with sleet in our face. Hey, Lou. There was one thing that I that happened at the very end of the race that I just wanted to let the you know everyone know, and it was such a touching moment. So what happens is when the there was actually a line of bikes that signified the end, and the announcers were saying, you know, the last runners that come in, I want you all to cheer like they were they won the race, and so that's what everybody did at the finish line. So around ten o'clock, I think the race started at six. Around 10 o'clock, they, the last runners uh, crossed the finish line, and everybody was cheering like they had just won the race. And I thought that was so special. I agree. I agree. And, and I'm going uh, to put links in the show notes again to the Endurance Series. If, you want, if you're thinking about doing the Princess Half Marathon, registration begins this summer over at DisneyPrincessHalfMarathon.com, of course, um, as well as some of the other events. And like I said, we'll talk about the wine and dine because that's really much more up my alley because there, there's food involved. We're definitely running that one, Mary Jo. So I'm signing you. Okay, up. I'm gonna. I will be there. I and will it's be- going to be for loose charity, so it's going to be for a good cause. Well, the good cause I think too is is I think you guys run and I'll do the the wine and dine portion. Mark, if you don't want to run, you can you can you cheer for me at the finish line. That's fine. I, I definitely will. I, I haven't decided yet whether I'm going to run. I might run the 5K in the morning with my son. I can't. Both. Oh, that would be awesome. Awesome. 
Yeah, we'll you talk about. Those. Yeah, you can actually. And they actually, I think there's a relay in this one too. One person can do eight. One person can do five. I, I'm just looking for the the opt out uh, of the. He's running. looking for the way out. You right. See that, Mary Joan? And can you believe <laughs> yeah. that? Mark, what's up with that, huh? I'll have wine and cheese for you at the finish line. Yeah, so. you better. All night, because the race doesn't start till 10 o'clock at night. So. Exactly. Ex- per- and that's that's another really nice appeal to it. An so. inaugural beer at the end finish line waiting for me would be <laughs> wonderful. So, I touched on really quickly uh, flower and garden. I'd love to go into it in, in much more detail. Obviously, um, this is running much longer than anticipated. One more person we're signing up automatically is Stephen Drew. He's running in this team so far with us too, Mary Jo. So yeah, you're rec- you're, you're you're calling a lot I'm of people recruiting out, recruiting yeah. people as we go along. <laughs> Um, <laughs> if you guys want, uh, I'd love for you to hang out for me with me a little bit longer. I have a couple of news items that I'd like to talk about. Love to get your opinion as we go along. Maybe even throw a rumor or two in the rumor mill in there. Okay, well, I'm going to exit out because we have a uh, we have to leave our house at 5 o'clock in the morning tomorrow to head to New Jersey. So, good night. And love you guys. And well, I'll talk to you guys soon. Love you, my partner. <laughs> always a pleasure having you um, as part of the show. You can leave the cash at the door. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so real quickly, I, a couple of news items that I want to hit um, that have come out in the past couple of weeks. Things have just been so crazy on the show. Haven't been able to touch on them. Wanted to mention them real quickly. First of all, I want to head on down to downtown Disney because there's been a lot of rumors and speculation as to what's been going on. They are adding some new stores, a new restaurant, and they're also upgrading the theater because the AMC Pleasure Island Theater just got upgraded with the Enhanced Theater Experience, ETX. And it's the first of its kind in the United States. It has a floor-to-ceiling screen, 20% larger than a standard screen, has 3D technology, 50,000-watt audio and digital production system, higher resolution than HD. Um, It opened up last Friday, appropriately enough, for Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. It's a little bit more expensive, $2 more for standard movies, $4 more for 3D movies. But I have heard from people who saw Alice in Wonderland there, and were literally blown away by the technology. And in addition to the upgraded theater, again, Downtown Disney continues to grow uh, because Ride Makers, which is a store, and you guys both have young boys, where kids can customize their own radio-controlled cars with almost 650 different combinations, opens later this month, March 25th, on the west side. D Street, which is a sort of an urban store, kind of like Trendy, which opened uh, a few months ago, opens on the west side in April. That has um, apparel and novelties. Also going to have a lot of vinylation figures, artwork, and lots more. I talk about a new restaurant, because I always have to bring it back to food. McDonald's is going away, and a new restaurant called Pollo Campero, obviously a Latin-inspired restaurant, is going to be coming there going to have chicken, salads, sandwiches, and wraps. Also going to have a lot of sugar-free, gluten-free, low-sodium, and organic options for those with special diets. So I know that's always been that's always a concern for people. Nobody does it better than Disney. Great to see another new restaurant specifically having some of those things. So what do you guys think about this sort of trend and some of the changes and the growth coming to downtown Disney? And the, more importantly, the question for you, what do you think is missing? What's that one thing you'd like to see added to downtown Disney? Ladies first, then Mark. Hmm. See, I put you on the spot, well, didn't I? <laughs> yes, you did. 
Well, let me ask you this. Do you I'm miss... Gonna get, I'm going to get beat up over this. I know. I, I really honestly wish that Cirque du Soleil... I, I, I've seen the show. It's awesome. It was incredible. But I would like to see something a little bit different in there. One of the maybe the Disney Broadway shows come into that venue. Um, that's something that I've thought about um, that maybe could be an enhancement. Would, an, um, would a new Cirque du Soleil show make you happy? Yeah. That that would also be a possibility. But I've always thought that Downtown Disney would be a great place for, you know, Lion King or Mary Poppins, different, you know, the different Broadway shows. Because a lot of people don't have the opportunity. They're down at Disney World and they don't have the opportunity to see those, uh, whether they don't travel through their um, their city or they don't have the opportunity to go to New York City. I think that's on uh, actually a lot of people's wish list. I don't think you can get beaten up for that. Mark, what about you? Well, I think that um, the whole Pleasure Island part, I mean, it's probably not moving fast enough for me because, I mean, it's like a blank, you know, area where there's a few stores now. But, I mean, it used to be bustling, you know, nightlife and things like that. But, I mean, I would like to see more things for kids. I spend a lot of time downtown Disney, especially because of Legoland and uh, or the Lego store. And hopefully Legoland's coming, but uh, uh, the Lego store and Disney Quest. My son just loves Disney Quest. But, I mean, if they had some more stores in the middle there, it wouldn't be as long of a walk, you know, back and forth where you don't really have a lot of attractions. Of course, I'd love to see Adventure Club back there. I um, I unfortunately don't think it, that you are going to see the Adventures Club reopen. Uh, we've, we've talked about this in the past. I, I would certainly like to see more coming there and we'll sort of take a quick detour to the the rumor mill because this is certainly nothing official but expect to see more growth coming to pleasure island Uh, is it going to be probably the what it was when it opened which was disney's answer to downtown orlando and church street and nightclubs and bars and things like that probably not but i think you are going to start to see um growth there very soon not just on land but possibly on the water interesting so wow. so we will uh, we will move away from Pleasure Island and I'd be very curious to hear what other people would like to see or would anticipate or should it be an adults only area should it be something for the entire family what would you guys like to see in Pleasure Island you can call the voicemail 888-703-2171 Email me, post in the forums or Facebook. We'd love to get your your input on that as well. A couple of other quick news things, um, somewhat related to D23, because they they really hyped this up last year. Tron Legacy. Um, the mm-hmm. Geekometer just, just went <laughs> off the charts here. Um, they had a light cycle there. The, the, the promotion for it, the new HD trailer just came out. Disney is really going full force promoting this for its December release. What was what they just announced on the blog this week, I thought was very, very interesting and getting very interesting. I'm, I'm having more fun watching the reactions was that they are now going to wrap two of the monorails, I believe, uh, on the Epcot loop with artwork, making the monorails 
look like blue and yellow light cycles from Tron. So they are now, of course, affectionately being known as the Tron rails. <laughs> so, <laughs> now, have you guys seen uh, any of the photos of these? And if so, yes. do you love it? I, I do you hate it? Was, it? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not like a huge Tron fan by any means, but... I think it looks fantastic. I, I thought it looked very sleek and futuristic. And just I thought it looked neat. It looked it's a little bit different than the balloons and such. So um, I like that. Something yeah, new. It's definitely pretty amazing. I mean, I love Tron. It's one of the movies that I, you know, started really getting me into sci-fi. So I'm kind of a geek in that respect. But I just actually rented it too to watch it again. I did see it at D23 Expo too. I know you were chomping at the bit, Lou, to go, but you had other obligations. I did, but uh, I, I own Tron. I, I actually have two copies of Tron. I, I mean, I love Tron. I, I was a kid of that generation. I, I'm exceptionally excited about Tron Legacy, um, and I like it. I think it's fun. I think it's fun making them look like light cycles appropriately on the Epcot line. Uh, some people have said, well, you know, now are you turning the, the monorail, the, this classic, this revered almost monorail, into... A billboard. Uh, some some have analogized it to like a bus, you know, a, with a bus wrap and a billboard. I don't quite see it that way. Uh, I was actually more. I, I was kind of thrown off when they were putting Stitch on the nose and they were decorating it with the um, the Year of a Million Dreams celebration and some of the other uh, balloons and things like that. I said, well, I'll just keep the monorail, you know, plain and pure and leave my monorail red just the way it is. But I like these and I like. I think it's going to look pretty slick as it goes around uh, Future World in Epcot and pulls into the Epcot monorail station. So looking forward to seeing that when it comes out again. Would love to see people weigh in, and I will link in the show notes over to the blog where you can see pictures. Uh, actually, I'll link you over to my blog where you can see not only pictures of the monorail, but you can also see some old concept art from the old Tron Arcade, which was supposed to come to Communicore. I know I'm geeking out and going way back here, but uh, one of the things I, I, I that was never built in Communicore that I wished was, uh, if you're a pin trader, real quick, this year's Disney pin celebration going to take place August 27th through the 29th at World Showplace in Epcot, and the theme this year is Trade City USA, and it's going to be themed to the 10th anniversary Founders Day celebration for Trade City USA, a town over in Trading Valley. Uh, you can find out more information. Registration opens for that at uh, DisneyPins.com on March 31st. Um, one last little bit of the rumor mill, and we'll, we'll take us back into the parks real quick. Over at Disney's Hollywood Studios, you may or not have noticed a lot of activity going on in a relatively quiet section of the parks. Studio Catering Company has been closed. It's still going to be closed, I think, uh, until after Easter for refurbishment. The Backlot Tour is closed. Honey, I Shrunk the Audience Playground also closed. Not sure when, if that's going to reopen. Curious to see um, if the Backlot Tour and that area gets updated, rethemed, reimagined, maybe to some more current films uh you know is that is the honey i shrunk the playground gonna stay exactly the way it is now let me ask you this guys final question of the night until i think of another one the backlot tour do you love it the way it is do you remember it when it was a much more there was the walking portion and when obviously when the studios were working studios do you like it the way it is would you like to see that attraction refreshed and if so if you were an imagineer and you had endless amounts of money, 
what would you like to, to bring on there to really plus up the Backlot Tour? And this time I'm going to put Mark on the spot first to give Mary Jo time to think. Okay, I really liked it. So I was there when it was MGM, you know, first open. I think I went around 94, and I really liked it. It went, you know, kind of through the houses, and you saw kind of sets, and they were actually filming some movies. I mean, I think I saw filming of a, a Thunder in Paradise with Hulk Hogan once, you know, with part of the walking tour. We could see some of the sets inside the building, and then you went to the the housing area. I think it was... Uh, the Desperate, was it Golden Girls or, <clears throat> excuse me, Desperate Housewives? Golden the, Girls? The Golden Girls, the set. That they, they, were, they were really the original Desperate Housewives. <laughs> Come on, so, you gotta love, who doesn't love Betty White? She is the reason why D23 Expo was so huge. She's yep. gonna be on SNL in May, by the way. <laughs> the Betty White <laughs> fan club. That part of it was neat. I mean, Catastrophe Canyon is pretty cool, and the pre-show, you know, it I didn't used to be the boat, it used to be some other water type thing. So, yeah, they, they used to have 20,000 leagues under the sea sub in there. Yeah. Pre, pre so, I mean, Harbor it, days. it was longer, and it, to me it was more interesting because it was actually parts of it were a working studio. And now it's like, you know, we're, we show you what, you know, happens in the movies, but you don't actually see movies being or TV shows being created. Well, definitely keep an eye, uh, not just on the Backlot Tour, but, you know, over the next little bit amount of time to that area of Disney's Hollywood Studios as it may be freshened up just a little bit more. Uh, last couple of things, I want to direct you over to uh, the articles in the blog section over at WDWRadio.com. We have a listener, Donna, in Hawaii who sent us over some photos of the Black Pearl in Hawaii getting ready to film Pirates of the Caribbean 4, which we posted. Also, construction of the new Olani DVC resort, which again, ladies and gentlemen, research trip clearly in our uh, in our future, and something that I think uh, the two of you will be very excited about. I've also posted some new construction photos from the Meyerwerft webcam of the Disney Dream, which is coming together nicely, just in time for the WDW Radio cruise on February twenty seventh. Yes, I have to plug it because I am so excited about it. More information over at wdwradiocruise.com. But Mark Lorenzo and Mary Jo Collins. Thank you guys so much uh, for joining me tonight on what turned out to be a much longer segment than I expected, number one. But really, you guys uh, made last weekend such fun for me, and that's what it is all about, is these kind of events like D23 and the marathon and all the things they have going on. It's all about spending time with friends and making new friends along the way. Um, so thank you very much for, for joining me. And again, you can find more of Mark Lorenzo's wisdom and insight over at the Disney World Moms panel over at DisneyWorldMoms.com. Guys, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you, Lou. Hey, I love all y'all. I love all y'all, too. All y'all. And I'm still waiting for my shrimp and grits, by the way. (laughs) You just head down here and I'll give you some. All y'all. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks for taking the time and tuning in once again this week. Thanks also to my guests, Mary Jo Collins 
and Mark Lorenzo. Mark, as you know, is on the Disney World Moms panel. You can ask him and the other moms questions over at DisneyWorldMoms.com. Hope you enjoyed our look back and forward at D23 and the Princess Half Marathon events. Speaking of upcoming events, wanted to let you know that April's Meet of the Month in Walt Disney World looks like it's going to be on Saturday, April 11th at about 1 p.m. over at the Dawa Bar over in Disney's Animal Kingdom. And this is actually going to be a combination WDW Radio and Celebrations Magazine meet because Tim Foster, my partner over at Celebrations Magazine, is going to be there as well. So if you are a listener and or subscriber, please come on by, say hi, bring the family. Again, no need to RSVP, but I will put links in the show notes to the Facebook event page and the forums where you can come and let us know that you'll be attending. Speaking of upcoming events, this summer I'm thrilled to be going back to Seattle for the second annual PNW, that's Pacific Northwest Mouse Meet. And this year it's going to be on Saturday, August 14th, 2010 at the Linwood Convention Center in Linwood, Washington. Stay tuned for more announcements regarding ticket sales, speakers, hotel deals, lots more. But for now, you can head on over to the show notes or go directly to pnwmousemeet.com. A little more than a month later, as we talked about earlier, D23's Destination D is going to be September 24th and 25th. Stay tuned for more information about that coming up in Anaheim. And of course, don't forget about the cruise aboard the all-new Disney Dream. Join hundreds of other WDW Radio listeners and Disney fans as we cruise aboard the all-new Disney Dream February 27th for four days to Castaway Key, the Bahamas. Lots of surprises and announcements about the cruise coming up very, very soon. For more information, to get a free no-obligation quote, go on over to www.radiocruise.com. I've been asking you since day one to let this show be interactive, so if you have a question that you want me to answer on the show, email me at lou at wdwradio.com. Or if you want to be heard on the air, you have a question, a comment, just want to call and say hi from the parks, you can call the toll-free voicemail line at 888-703-2171. And if you want to discuss anything you've heard on the show, any news or rumors or anything that you want to share, please come by the forums over at www.radio.com or join the page over at Facebook. That is facebook.com slash wdwradio.com. Both are fun, they're free, great ways to share your opinions, interact with other listeners and like-minded Disney fans as well. Don't forget, while you're over at www.radio.com, to sign up for our free online newsletter. Uh, Send that every couple of weeks with articles and links and special offers, lots and lots more. Uh, Don't forget, too, if you aren't following me on Twitter, I'm at twitter.com slash lumangelo. I post instant updates throughout the day there. Also love playing games from the park, posting photos and videos and audio clips, lots, lots more. Again, twitter.com slash Luangelo. Real quick, want to go back to Facebook. I've mentioned it over the past couple of weeks. If you have sent me a personal friend request, please know I am not ignoring you. I have unfortunately hit the 5,000 friend limit. Facebook does not allow me to add any more friends, nor can I add any more. I can't fan any other pages. So if you sent me a request... To become a fan of your uh, personal page or your business page, again, I'm trying to figure out a way around that. If you have any suggestions, by all means, please let me know. But if you did send me a friend request and I haven't answered you, 
I am trying to figure it out, but again, please go over, join the WDW Radio page over at facebook.com slash WDW Radio. Stay tuned for the next WDW Radio live video broadcasting chat coming very, very soon. Facebook, Twitter, best ways to find out exactly when that's going to take place. Thanks, as always, to my partners and my sponsors, including MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. They are my official and recommended travel provider for all your vacation planning needs. You can find a link to their website, which is mousefantravel.com, right at wdwradio.com. Also, All Star Vacation Homes has more than 150 houses within five miles of Walt Disney World. You can visit them at allstarvacationhomes.com. And if you think about buying or selling your Disney Vacation Club points through resale, visit Chantel over at dvcbyresale.com. As always, my friends, thank you so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. And if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Review the show on iTunes. Come say hi over on Facebook and join the forums over at www.radio.com. Stay tuned, my friends. I have been promising you for some time. I've been working on things backstage that I'm ready to reveal and announce very, very soon for the show and the site and a lot more. Definitely stay tuned. So again, thanks so much for taking the time, tuning in. Remember, always, always keep moving forward. Follow your dreams. And until next week, I hope you have a great, great week, everybody. See ya. Hey, Lou, this is Brian. Uh, great uh, show on uh, Waking Sleeping Beauty. Uh, I always like when you take some time away from the parks to discuss uh, other things uh, Disney. And uh, we went out and got tickets to go see it uh, in the next couple weeks. So uh, looking forward to that and uh, to more of your great shows. Bye-bye. Hey, Lou, it's on here from New Jersey. Uh, sitting here watching the snow come down for the fifth or sixth time this month, this year. Uh, I'm actually sitting here packed, making a list listening to show number 100. Um, I'm not sure what number show it is, sorry, but it's very 21st show. And I'm listening to it while I'm packing and making a list for my, my trip coming up to Washington World on March 4th through the 8th. And I'm very excited for this trip because in particular, I will be able to meet, hopefully, crossing my fingers, the meeting of the month, the March meeting of the month, so I'm very excited about that. So, thanks for the input, too, and hope to meet you there. And I guess I'll talk to you soon. Have a magical day. Thanks. Hey, Lou, this is Danielle. I just spent the entire day park hopping. I did all four parks in one day. It was amazing. I've been here since Wednesday the 17th. I go home tomorrow. It was an amazing trip. I watched Flying King. Um, at on VIP uh, or um, Festival of Wanking. It was amazing. Oh my gosh, so much fun today. Um, so many great memories. I um, kept some of the stuff that you were talking about on your podcast and I learned new things. I thought I knew a lot, but then listening to your podcast, it was so much more fun to kind of point stuff out. Um, thanks again. Keep up the awesome work. I can't wait to come back. Bye. Uh, hey, Lou, this is Jim Ardwin from Manahawkin, New Jersey. I was just uh, catching up with some of your podcasts. I've been a little busy the last few weeks, but I was listening to the Wayback Machine for 1986. It brought me back to, uh, I wasn't there in 86, but I was there in 85 and 87. And as we all know, Disney celebrations tend to go on for uh, 18 months. But uh, what I really remember about that time, and I can't remember if you mentioned it on the show or not, was uh, the Wonders 
of Walt Disney World, which was a kid's thing. My parents signed me up for three of them, uh, one in 85 and two in 87. And uh, they used to take you for a whole day. I remember my parents dropping me off uh, right there at the ticket uh, entrance uh, by the ferry and the monorail and the transportation center. And uh, they took you for the day. They gave you a camera. They they uh, processed the film and mailed you the pictures later. They gave us lunch. And uh, I went on three of them. The first one I went on was The Wonder and Beauty of Our World. It was like, uh, sort of like an ecology kind of thing. I remember going to Discovery Island and all that stuff. But they, I'm looking through the books right now. Uh, of course, I didn't make a mark in any of them. But they gave you like a textbook and a workbook. And then when I went back in uh, 87... I did Disney Creative Arts, where uh, we actually met some cartoonists, and they drew us pictures. I actually have mine. I kept mine through the years, and it's framed in my house. And uh, the other one was the uh, Walt Disney World of Entertainment, where they uh, took us to the Diamond Horseshoe Review when it was still in uh, the Magic Kingdom. Um, and uh, not the Diamond Horseshoe Review. The, uh, yeah, the Diamond Horseshoe Review. And uh, we met some entertainers, and I remember I'm a, I'm a saxophone player, so we met the sax quartet and the barbershop quartet, and we could ask them questions and everything. But it was an all-day thing. It was great for my parents because they got rid of me and my aunt and uncle because they got rid of my cousin for the day. It was great for us because there's a lot of things. You know, they took us down in the uh, underneath the Magic Kingdom, and we walked around the uh, un- underneath, and they showed us just about everything. It was sort of like a behind-the-scenes tour for kids back in the 80s. I don't know if they do anything like that, but... Uh, your way back machine got me thinking about those days, and I found all my books, and I was checking it all out. So thanks for everything you do. Thanks for uh, keeping the magic going, and uh, can't wait to hear your future shows. Thanks. Bye. Hey, Lou, it's Rod Wheaton calling you back. I wanted to tell you we had a great time at the meet of the month this past Saturday. It was cool meeting up with you and Glenn and meeting Steve Barrett and the other guys that had come on along. So we had a really good time. I know you love cast member stories, so I've got one to tell you. Uh, we left from the meet a month a little early. You might remember we were heading to La Cellier for dinner. It was our 19th wedding anniversary, and uh, so we got to go there to La Cellier, which was wonderful. But the really cool thing was our server, uh, whose name was Jeremy. We got uh, just talking with him, and he found out it was our 19th wedding anniversary. And what I thought was really neat, completely unexpected, uh, he came back, he brought champagne and dessert. But what was a really neat touch was he brought a card that said happy 19th anniversary and it was signed by all the wait staff uh, everywhere who worked in the restaurant and it had listed where they were from in Canada and so forth it was just a really nice unexpected touch and was one of those things that uh, just makes Disney a special place to go and why we keep going back and in fact uh, I enjoyed that so much I happened to be passing the gift shop saw Lee Cockrell's book uh, Making Magic and I remember the podcast that uh, you had done and uh, the interview with him, and so I bought the book and read it just because uh, seeing what had happened with that cast member, I was curious how they got that culture going, and I remember he spoke about that a bit on the podcast, so got me into reading the book, but I thank you for the things you bring on your podcast, that even to a long-time Disney geek like me brings out uh, some really fun points that uh, I wouldn't have picked up on otherwise, and uh, thanks again. Talk to you later. 